All right. Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Continuing in our pursuit of finishing Shas, we are learning tonight Maseches Beit Zadav Kavav, starting at the Mishnah on the very last line of Chav Hayim Beis, a new Mishnah and a Mishnah that takes us a little bit out of our norms. We are uh, learning a Mishnah about an animal that is a bechor. Now, halachically, as Rashi highlights here at the bottom of a page, when a bechor is born, even bizman azet, take a look at that first Rashi, bechor shenafa labor. Rashi says bechor bizman hazeh. Today, if there's an animal that's born as a bechor, you're not allowed to shecht that animal unless it is blemished to the point that it couldn't have been brought had there been a Beis HaMikdash. Why? Because Rashi says, When a person shechts a bechor that is complete without any flaws, Rashi says, Wow! You need to know your halachos when you own animals. So this first Mishnah is going to sound backwards, but now that we've learned this Rashi, it's going to sound perfectly <laughs> forwards. So the Mishnah opens, Bechor shenafal aboards, Yantif, and you have a Bechor, your, your firstborn animal. It falls down into a pit. You can send down an expert in mumin to check and see if the animal has a mum. If the animal has a mum, oh, it's a bechor. Now that it has a mum, it's eligible to be shechted because now you're not going to be chayv karish for the shechita because you're shechting an animal that has a mum. Then if you send down that expert into the pit and he sees that yes, in fact, it's true that this animal has a mum, then it can be shechted. If the animal is a tum and when he fell into the boar, he got no injuries at all. So then the halacha is, lo yishchot, you may not shech this animal. However, all of that is the Tanakhama. We're on Chavav and Medalev, second line, or B'Shem and Omer, nope. Kol she'ein mumar nikar mi be'od yom, ein ze min hamuchan. You have to actually, visibly, see the mum from before Yantiv starts. So we know one thing. We know this isn't a machlokas about muksa. The reason we know that is because the shitas here should be reversed. The first sheet in the Mishnah was Rav Yehuda, who was lenient. The second sheet in the Mishnah was Rav Shimon, who was strict. If this was about Muksa, the sheetas would have been flipped because Rav Shimon is the one who is way more lenient when it comes to Muksa, whereas Rav Yehuda is way more strict. So then the Gemara says, but my kamifligay, we know it's not about Muksa. So what, in fact, is the Machlokas here in our Mishnah about whether or not the moon has to be seen from before Yom Tov, if it's to be Mutter, that's the Shita Rib Shimon, or no, even if the moon is found on Yom Tov and that's the Shita Rib Yehuda, the Gemara answers what they're arguing about is Inema Biroin Mumin Kamiflagate. Are we allowed to have uh, an expert go down into the pit to Paskin, such as Shaila? And if you take a look at the end of Rashi, Dibur Hamaschel Inema Biroin, so there Rashi has a, an interesting line, Ein Roin. It's kind of like opening a Bezdin on Shabbos, which is unacceptable. We don't open Batedin on Shabbos. So when you have this guy come in, oh, bring in the Mum expert to come look at the Bechor who fell in, is that considered appropriate or not? And that's what the Machlokas is about. The Rabbi Yehuda Savar, back in the Gemara, line five. The Rabbi Yehuda Savar, Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion he was lenient. Rowan, Mum, and Biyomtov. You're allowed to engage the expert to go down into the pit and to determine that, yes, in fact, there is or isn't a Mum, whatever it is. Rabbi Shimon Savar, Ein, Rowan, Mum, and Biyomtov. And that's... That's why, even though our Mishnah looked like it was going to be a machlokas about mukso, it couldn't be because the shitas were reversed to their normal approaches, where Yehuda is strict and Rav Shimon is lenient. However, over here, that's not the machlokas; it's simply that. So says the Gemara, if that's true, the alma. 
why does our Mishnah have to speak about a case of a Bechor? <laughs> if all you're talking about is a moon, so then just ask, ask a Shailah in a vacuum. Just ask, are you allowed to have someone? Just ask your question. So you get this whole Mishnah in the middle of Masechah's base of animals, a Bechor. Who cares? That's not our sugya. Just talk about what you want to talk about, it, whether or not we're rowing mum and biyomto. So says the Gemara, no, that's not correct. Third of the way down, bechor shenafa labor We need it specifically about a bechor. Why? Sal chamina. I might have thought mishum tsar that because we know that there is an iser we paskin derabanan of tsar balechayim, because that's true. Therefore, learim, I can create a loophole. Beliske kribiyoshua kamash malan. I sorry, it's, it happens, you know. Maybe we can say that we should be me'arim, that we should come up with a loophole. What's the loophole that we should come up with over here? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is about 15, 20 lines down, about halfway into the Gemara lines. Oh, no, come on. It's a bechor for sure there's going to be a moom. And therefore, if there's a moom, then we're allowed to take it up because we're allowed to shech the moom, a bechor that has a moom, as long as it's not in the times of the Beis HaMikdash. So maybe we would have thought that because of Tsar Baalei Chaim, we're going to have a lenient svara and assume that by definition there's going to be a moom. Like, like Rabbi Yoshua says, we'll learn his shita later, and not today, but later in the Masechta. Kamash Malan, what we therefore see, her, yeah, that's, he's not coming today. So Kamash Malan, that we, we don't make such a cheshben, and therefore our case specifically had to be about a bechor. Because in order for us to shech the bechor, there has to be a moom. In order for us to paskin on a moom, there has to be an expert, and therefore... Maybe we would have thought that because it's a Bechor, that therefore we can engage the expert, Kamash Malan, we cannot. Yihachi says the Gemara, if all we're talking about is whether or not we can bring up the animal, then I don't understand. Why does our Mishnah on the top right here of Chavav Amaralev say the language of Lo Yishchot, top line, being Lav Lo Yishchot, it's not about the Shechita, it's Lo Ya'ale V'Yishchot Mibayle. It should have been about taking the animal out, it shouldn't have been about anything else. Why? If you're saying it's all about harama, that because it's a bechor and a bechor bismanas, that can only be shechted if it has a mum, and therefore because of tsar balechayim, I'm being mitzarev. Everything in the mixing bowl, it's tsar balechayim, it's a bechor, and it likely has a mum. So fine, but then I don't understand why didn't the Mishnah reflect that by saying Yishchot. So the Gemara says The reason why is because our Mishnah is discussing a case of a person who did something wrong. He took the animal out without checking. Oh, so that maybe we should say, now that we've already taken it out, you can do shrita, that the reason why our Mishnah says v'yishchot and not yala v'yishchot is to teach us that even if you take the animal out, you're not allowed to shecht it. Says the Gemara, I don't understand. If you took out the animal and it doesn't have a mum, hotamhu, then that animal is tam. And an animal that's tam, a bechor that's tam, a bechor bizman hazeh that's tam, cannot be shechted. That's not allowed. Says the Gemara, We see right now, for the first time, 2 p.m. on Yontif afternoon, that he in fact has a moom. Says the Gemara, that doesn't work. If we first see the moom only in the pit, so that doesn't work according to Al-Shitas, that should be muksa. So therefore, says the Gemara, and this is the conclusion of the Gemara, Ella, the nafal beimum over me'erev yom tov. It had a temporary blemish, a bruise of some kind on erev yom tov. Dehashta, and now that it fell into the pit, havale mum kavua. This falling into the pit made it into a mum kavua. 
Oh, so says the Gemara, Maybe I would have thought that because it had a mum over, a temporary mum from before Yamto, and now it was compounded by this new injury, and now this mum over is a mum kavua, that maybe I should say that I should be able to do shrita on this animal, that you're not allowed. That is the approach of the Gemara. So we've greatly reinterpreted our Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah at its face is not what it seems right now. So we said, just looking back and reflecting to summarize, we started our Mishnah on the bottom saying that if a before a Bukhor falls into a pit, it's a machlokas. Maybe a mumcha should look at it, maybe not. And the Gemara concluded that we're dealing with a case of a Bukhor where we might have thought that there was a heter of Tsar Balechaim, Kamash there is not. We might have thought that a person already pulled the animal out. And the reason why we should think that you should shecht it is because it had a temporary blemish, which was then compounded into a permanent blemish, Kamash that that's not the case. So a lot of uh, gymnastics here to figure out this Mishnah. And um, classic to the Gemara's structure is that we always try to ensure that we compare and contrast all of the Tanaic sources related to the topic. So we saw our Gemara, our Mishnah. We also saw a dialogue about that in the Gemara. But here's another source in the Tanaim that's quite similar to our discussion, six lines from the bottom of Chavav, Merala. Says the Gemara, Tanah Rabban, and the rabbis taught us, Bechor Tam Labor. If there was a Bechor that we know, it was just checked before Shkia, uh, and it had no it had no blemishes, no movement, and then it falls into the pit. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Omer, not Rabbi Yehuda like our previous, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, famous Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, he says, you're allowed to send the mum expert down to see what's going on. If the Bechor has a flaw in it, has a blemish, it can be shechted, because as mentioned, a Bechor can only be shechted if in fact it has a blemish, otherwise it would be, uh, be shechting kachim bachutz, and that's not allowed. And if there's no blemish, then lo yishchot. So that's shita number one, Rabbi Huda Anasi. The Gemara then pushes back. Amar lo Rabbi Shimon ben Manasya. Rabbi Shimon ben Manasya says, Rabbi Huda Anasi, hare amru, it was said by others, and the Rashi here references that we're speaking about, uh, we're speaking about his Rebbe. We're speaking about, let's just see his name here. So at the Rashi, which is six lines before the bottom of the page, Rashi says, Amar le Rabbi Shimon ben Manasya, hare amru, Rabbi Seinu, dor shelfaninu, ein roen mumen. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, midor shelifnehem. And Haya, uh, Haya, the Rebbe Talmido Haya. Rebbe was a Talmud of Rebbe Shimon ben Yochai. So when the Gemara says, back to where we are, Amar lo Rebbe Shimon ben Menasyari, Amar ein ro'an mumen biyomtov, he is subtly referencing the fact that Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi ignored what his Rebbe said, that his Rebbe had said, Hare Amru ein ro'an mumen biyomtov. So, Ketzat. So, what, how, do, how do we see that all of these shitas make sense? The Gemara says two lines from the bottom, Anchaf vav amud if in fact the moon, we see a moon on a Bechor from prior to Yom Tov, then you can't all of a sudden, you know, you go to Shul at night and you see the moon expert, hey, listen, you know, uh, Rabbi so-and-so, Rabbi expert, can you come to my house? No, you cannot. However, last line, let's say in contrast with maybe the, uh, the moon happening on Erev Yom Tov. Here, if the moon happens on Yom Tov, so says the Gemara, Reb Shimon Omer, Ein Zemina Muchan. That's not considered Muchan because the blemish was only found on Yom Tov and not before Yom Tov. So that's uh, what the Gemara says. Uh, and then the third statement here, the last word on the first line, the Shavin, both of them agree. Shim no ladhu umumo imo. 
That if an animal was born and it was immediately noted that when he was born, his blemish already existed, it was already present in utero. So then that's mina muchan, that is considered to be muchan, and that animal uh, can be shechted as a bechor. Now, that's all the Tanaim. So we, we're comparing this to our Mishnah. So says the Gemara, here come the Amorim, line three, Chavav Amudbez, Dorash Rabba Baravuna, Nolad Imo Mivakreno He says, I can see from this Brisa that we just learned that if an animal is born with its mum, that the moment this Bechor is born, we see that it has a permanent blemish to its body, one that it existed since, it, since its conception or since its development. So then you're allowed to do beaker. You can have the expert come check out this animal to ensure that there's a mum, in which case it can be shechted. And says the Gemara, that's lechat chila. So Amar le Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says back to Rabbi Baravuna, I don't understand. Abatani, my father taught that im avar, im avar, if avar ubikro mivukar, that if somebody uh, went to check the animal that it checked, that's the language of bidiyevet. What you're saying doesn't fit with my father. So Rav Nachman, uh, Rav Nachman pushes back. Rabbi Baravuna said that it's lechatchila to check the animal if uh, if the animal if the bechor was born with its blemish. And over here we see in the name of uh, Rav Nachman's father that that's not correct. That it's only im avar uvikaro mevukar only if and only if it's b'diyavad language. So Amar Abaye kavase de Rabbi Baravuna mistaba. It seems to be like the first approach is correct. That if an animal is born with its mum, that it is considered to be uh, able to be checked lechatchila. Why? Midikatani tlasi bave. The reason why is because our brisa taught, taught three different cases. One of which is explicitly lechatchila. Let's see how the Gemara breaks down all three cases. Seven lines down, approximately. Chavav amubeis. Nolad bo mume erev yom tov ein mevakrena so biyom tov lechatchila hudelo hadieved shapir dam. When it comes to a, 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 an animal that is that his mum is no, noticed before, his mum is noticed before Yom Tov starts, you're not supposed to have the expert check. But that's only a din l'chadchila hudalo. Hadievet shapir dami. That's the first phrase of the b'risa that we just learned at the bottom of Chavav Amidalev. Here's the second phrase. Nolad bo, bo mum be Yom Tov. If we only noticed its mum on Yom Tov itself, that doesn't work at all. And even if you send in an expert, that doesn't work at all. The animal cannot be shechted. And then the last din that we saw in the Brisa from the bottom of Chavav Amad Aleph is the Shavin that everyone agrees. So it seems clear. By virtue of the fact that the brisa that we learned to compare to our Mishnah stipulated three different cases, one of which, by definition, has to be a din l'chadchila. So therefore, we see that when it came to the machlokas between Rabba Baravuna and the father of Rav Nachman, the Rabba Baravuna must be right. So says the Gemara, that's not necessarily true, because one third of the way down, maybe a quarter of the way down on Chavav Medbez, the Gemara says, V'haki Asa Rav Oshia, uh, when he when he came to uh, when he came to discuss this sogya in Babel, he had brought a mishnah with him. Not everybody knew all the mishnayos and brisos at that time. So says the Gemara uh, that he had a different iteration, a different version of our brisa that we presented on the bottom of Chavav Amidalef, and then we have to figure out which version is correct. So says the Gemara, 
So here, this brisa that Ravoshia brought merged two of the three phrases of that brisa together. And the merge was whether or not the animal, its moon was identified before Yom Tov or once Yom Tov started. Which means that there is no case where it's Lechatchila, which questions the Shita of Rabbi Baravuna. So it says the Gemara of Elakasha, that puts a big question mark on the initial brisa that we have that was truncated into three pieces. It says the Gemara, you're absolutely right. And that was a mistake. Hahi, that brisa that we had that was broken into three pieces, the one that seemed to support the sheet of Rabbah, was in error. That was Adabar Ukmihu, Demishabesh Vitani. Everybody knew about him that when he opened his mouth to quote a Mishnah, he was likely to have some type of gaffe, some type of mistake. We're familiar with these kinds of things. Culturally, personally, we see them all the time. People make mistakes when they quote things. So he was not known for his memory when it came to quoting Mishnayas. So he made an error. And the Mishnah, the Bryce, excuse me, that we quoted at the bottom of Chavvav Amadalev, that was meant to be a contrast to our Mishnah, which indicated that there was a Din L'Chadchila where one could do Bikur, where you could have an expert in Mumen come check, that is just simply not correct. And Amar Av Nachman Bar Yitzchak Masnisa Nami Deka. Our Mishnah is actually a Raila Dabar Dekatani, Rav Shem and Omer, Kol She'en Mumo Nikar Me'er of Yom Tov, that's our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says that Rav Shivan was of the opinion that you have to see the, the, the that if you see the moon from before Yom Tov, my ain mumonikar. What does that mean? If you want to say that prior to Yom Tov, that nothing was recognizable, Pshita, of course the animal is going to be. Uh, not going to be able to be shechted. Do I need to even bother to say that case where there's no moon before Yom Tov? That case is obvious. Ella says the Gemara, So there, just we couldn't get a Chacham to visit. We don't know what's going on. So the Katani Mihas, what did we learn in this, uh, in our in our Mishnah? That we have this Brisa that we had in our Gemara was a mistake, and it was quoted in the name of Adabar Ukmi, who was Mishabesh Vitani. He made an error in how he quoted that Brisa. Therefore, there is no case where a Dayan can paskin a case of Mumen on Shabbos. I can you paskin a Mara on Shabbos? What about, uh, are there any cases oh, of. Right. What? When you mentioned that before, that it looked, you know, too much. I was all you have to answer those Shilas before Shkia. Let's say that a woman's badika is, is a bad badika. So if she wants to try to save a day of, of getting to the mikvah, that hefsek tara needs to be done before shkia. Of course we allow for that. What's the difference between mumen and that? So I don't, other than the conceptual difference, I don't know. I mean, I could see that, I should say, other than the practical difference, I don't know. If a woman wants to try to get a hefsek tara before shkia, no choice. You have to pass it. Correct, correct. I mean, they had them in salt, but it wasn't the same. Uh, didn't keep as well. It wasn't... Uh, so I don't know in a, in a halachic way, but we do know that Bezdin does not open. You could not have a Din Torah. It's a, a Din in Ksav. Yeah, it's a Din in writing, I believe. I think that's the concern. Okay, so Shmami know that uh, our version of our Brisa, where it was truncated into three parts, was incorrect. And the correct version of the Brisa was as it was brought from Eretz Yisrael from Ravoshia, where it was, uh, where the two phrases were brought together, whether or not the moon was found before Yantif or on Yantif. All right, we're going to start learning a sugya right now that seems a little bit out of left field, but we will soon come back. Is it possible, asks the Gemara, we are halfway down, exactly halfway down on Chavav Amidbez. Is it possible that something could be muksa for only part of Shabbos? Is there such a thing?
Yeah, half Shabbos. Half Shabbos, very good. Anyone with practical advice? Yeah. Why am I high? Because you can't clean up your table. That's not muksa. That's because it's hachana. That's not muksa. I know it's hachana, but the stuff that's on the table would therefore be muksa. Uh, so, uh, you're allowed to eat it you can still eat that food it's not it's not muksa we wouldn't call it muksa we'd say you can't clean up the non-perishables because it's hachana you're preparing for cleaning for after shabbos that's an interesting idea but uh, i don't think the postkin would, would agree with that distinction because our restriction has to do with hachana not with muksa so let's articulate the gemara's question the gemara says halfway down not hillel the tana because Rava was a fourth century Amora, can't be. They didn't overlap, obviously. So these were two uh, Amoraim. Rav Hillel was an Amora <clears throat> that uh, is uncommon. It's a name that we don't hear that often. But nevertheless, he and Rava were contemporaries, or he would, this person was asking a Shiloh from Rava. Yesh Muktza Lechati Shabbos. Do we have muksa that only applies for part of Shabbos? Not do we only have partial Shabbos, but do we have muksa that applies for partial Shabbos? Yes or no? So says the Gemara, what's the case? If everything was good to go by on Friday, then all is well. Like, you got to give me the case first. Like, there's, I don't even know what you're talking about. How could you have a case like that? Because the Gemara says that, and we know this as a general rule, we typically assume that muksa is determined at the onset of shkia. As long as something is fit for use during that time, it's good to go for the whole Shabbos. We don't say that at 2 p.m., at 3 p.m., at 4 p.m. It's been, now, we don't say that. Even if you're done using it, it's not muksa. That's not what it is. So it says the Gemara, Lo tzricha, what are we talking about? It was fit to use. And then and then it was pushed away. Namely, it wasn't available to use. And then it became available to use again. So the examples that some of, one of the examples that some of the Meforshim bring is one from their day. You have some uh, figs that are drying on the roof. They would dry out their fruits and it's totally dry. Can you eat it? Absolutely. Ready before Shabbos. Friday night, it rains. Now they're inedible because they're wet again. Shabbos morning, the sun comes out. And then the figs dry out again. Can I ask so, what makes it inedible? Is it wet? I think it's juicier. I don't You're trying to eat raisins. If you ate a raisin that was like sloshy, something's wrong with the raisins. Now, I don't have a real answer for you other than my own <laughs> response, but it's clearly inedible for their liking. It wasn't eaten. And even if it was theoretically edible, it wasn't what they ate. So they would, why did they have it on the roof? To dry out. That's why they had them there. So whatever the case may be, that's what some of the Mephorshim say. But this is the case that we're dealing with. So now let's just stay, let's stay focused here. Our, our question is like this. If you have a case where something is perfect by, by, uh, by Shkia on Friday, and then imperfect at some point on Shabbos, and then perfect yet again, how do we look at that? So we're going to see two answers to this. My, what is the halacha? So answer number one, Amar Le, Yeish Muktza, that yeah, it's possible to have partial Muktza. That means that if Shkia is at 6, that at 7 p.m. you could eat the figs. If at 8 p.m. it rains, you can't eat the figs. And then by morning when it dries out, you, you can again eat the figs. That we could have a Shabbos where an item is only mutter for parts of Shabbos. An unbelievable idea, one that we are not familiar with. Aesve says... Isn't it on the Chafetz, not on the day? Isn't it on the Chafetz? It's a mix. Shabbos on a Tuesday, it wouldn't matter. No, but I'm saying like the tsura has changed. Its edibility has changed. Right. Right. So does that, I mean, why does that make it moksa? You could still eat it. You just may not like it. That's what I was saying earlier is that it's edibility is not like, can you eat it? 
nobody eats these foods like this. You know, it's like eating a potato that's like hard. Nobody does that. That's not normal. That type of food under those circumstances was uneaten. It just didn't happen. It was muksa. Can you? It is muksa to take freezer stuff out of your freezer. It's muksa. You're, you don't eat food like that. So however, whatever their mindset was, to your question as well, Gerald, whatever their mindset was, that food was off limits. No one would eat it. So therefore it's muksa. So this shita is unique. Again, we're not used to thinking like this. We're used to thinking if it's muksa, it's muksa. If it's not muksa, we're usually pretty categorical about it. But here the Gemara is entertaining this as a possibility that muksa could, could be in pieces. It could happen throughout the day in different ways. You know, could be. Could be. So it says the Gemara, hold on one second. And this is where we're going to tie this back into our sogya. Esve, hang on one second. We learned earlier today, we're two thirds of the way down. We learned that if an animal was born and its mum was present, that it is considered muhan. Why would we consider that? Nema, maybe we should say that that initially the animal would have been fit. And then Agav uh, because of its mother, had the mother been shechted, the animal in theory could have been eaten inside. Once it's born, we cannot eat it because now we have to check for a mum because only when it's born is it a bechor. So it started out Shabbos and in utero that had we shechted the mother, we could have eaten the animal inside even though it's a bechor because it's not a bechor until it's peter rechem. So part one of Shabbos is perfect. I can eat the animal. Then the animal's born and itchile, we have to wait to find the mum. And then and once the chacham finds a flaw, then we're allowed to eat it again. So what did we say over there? We said that it's mina muchan. That means that there's no muksa in trunk. We don't look at it that way. There's no muhan. So if there's if there's no problem with this, then doesn't that contradict the answer of yesh muksa? You're saying yesh muksa when the figs get wet again, but we never have that problem in the temporary period when the bechor is born and hasn't been checked by a chacham yet. That's a great question. So Amr Abayi, Tamer of Safra. No, the people who were the Bikim were sitting there. There was never a time where there was any question about this animal. All is well and good. They're sitting there when the animal is born. Mum. The second it's born, mum. No, there was never a period of time where it was ever muksa. So therefore, the comparison is shot. This time, you can't see the whole animal at one time. You think there has to be like two seconds you have to turn them over. Then you know that's not considered. Clearly not, or or the first thing that happens is that a limb is extended that's missing part of its limb. Right? But are you, I think what you're saying makes more sense than what I'm saying is that the Leda process is is still uh, no no you're asking good because peta rechem is determined. We've we've seen this in the Gemara. Remember we saw this is that if a if a baby was to crown prior to Shabbos and then pull its head back inside the body, so the bris is Friday even though the baby was born on Shabbos. Right? We, we spoke about Petrachim, so your question is very good. But obviously, something along the lines of what you're saying is also correct, that we say like, okay, but it's not what we mean. You don't have to go schlep and go find the Chacham to Paskin on the animal. He's sitting right there. So that's not considered an off-limits animal. We instantly will know, instantly will know that this animal has it. So I think your answer is correct. So all of that was version one, that yes, there is this concept of muksa that only applies for part of the day. Then says the Gemara, two-thirds of the way down, a little bit more, Ika Amre, that Omar Leh, his response was not yesh muksa, but rather, ain muksa lechati Shabbos. No, no, like we paskin, categorical. Whatever's happening during shkia is happening during shkia, and that's it. 
Okay, so if that's true, the Gemara that we used as a question on our previous shita is now a siyua to this to this answer. Says the Gemara, Lema Maybe we should then say Vishavin Sheim Nolad Umumo Imoshe Zemina Muchan. This sounds Ein Muksa Lachasi Shabbos. This sounds perfect, just like we said. That had the mother been shechted, you could have eaten the animal, and then there's a break. Uh, because the animal is born and we can't shech the bechor until it has a psak that there's a mum. And then, so we see that there is a break and nevertheless it's muchan. So we see that's very similar to ein muksa, ein chatsi muksa, what's it called? Ein muksa lechatsi shabbos. So it says the Gemara, not a good question. People are sitting there, so you can't use that as a raya necessarily. Um, and lechora, I would imagine that we paskin ein muksa lechatsi shabbos. We are categorical. If it's mutter to use during shkia on Friday afternoon, you're good to go. If it's not, then it's not. And we were trying to infer from this process of the leda of a bechor as to whether or not there was some comparability to from that world back to the world of chazi uh, of muksa b'chazi shabbos. So it says the gemara. Now we see these two approaches of yesh uh, muksa b'chazi shabbos and ain. Let's try to prove one of these approaches and then we'll stop. Toshma the brisa writes we're twelve lines, fifteen lines from the bottom. And you're eating uh, grapes. The host, you have some extras left over. You put them up on the roof. And you want to make raisins out of them. You're eating figs and there are some leftovers. And you put them up on the roof in order to make out dried figs. You're not allowed to eat them until you are yasmin until you specifically identify, I'm planning on eating these dried fruits on Yontif. Or Shabbos. Otherwise, no dice. It's going to be considered as muksa. We'll question this momentarily. V'chein, the Brisa continues, with peaches and with chavushin, uh, or quince, uh, quinces, that's a certain type of fruit. It says the Gemara, hold on one second. Hey, chidami, what is the case here where you actually need to be mezameh to set aside these dried fruits to be eaten on Yom Tov and on Shabbos? Hey, chidami. If going into Shabbos they were fit, fit to eat, why, why do you have to be mazmin them? They're perfectly fine. They're ready to go. I don't understand. And, and if they're not ready to be eaten, then how does your hazmana help? This food is not edible. You're, you're going to take a raw potato and say, oh, I'm being mazmin a raw potato. Nobody eats raw potatoes. What are you being mazmin? And if you want to say, and if you want to say, we're just not sure if the food was prepared, it could, it's on the fence, we're not sure, says the Gemara, that's not the case. That we are lenient in that case, when we're not sure if a fruit has dried out, you're allowed to eat it without hasmana anyways. So what hasmana did the Brisa indicate about the dried fruit? Ella says the Gemara, five lines from the bottom. Lav de chazu idchu vahadar elalav, elalav, comma, sorry, elalav, no, rather, what must be the case? De chazu vidchu vahazar achzu. It was fit, and then it wasn't fit, and now it's fit again. So says the Gemara, if you want to say, like you tried to say earlier, that ain muksa lechatsi shabbis, then I don't understand. Lama luhu hazmana. The hazmana shouldn't help at all. It, it should be unnecessary. If you don't hold of that, then all we do is look at Shkia. Your hazmana is irrelevant. 
It's only a question of edibility at Shkia, period. You're being Mazmin, so what are you being Mazmin? The food's ready or it's not. So it says the Gemara, Elamai. Well, what's the other option? Yesh Moksa. You're going to say that there is Moksa. If that's true, Ki Azmin Lahu, my Habe. What good does that do that you're being Mazmin in if you say Yesh Moksa? It's either ready or it's not. So therefore, says the Gemara, three lines from the bottom, and we'll end with this idea, Lo Tzricha, what is our case? To Achsu Velo Achsu. It is fit, but it's not fit. Its edibility is on the fence, whereby some people would eat it and other people would not. I went out to dinner with someone very fancy. They ordered a very hush of steak and they ordered it extremely rare. As far as I was concerned, it could have still been mooing in the field. No interest at all. I would not eat that. But he was like in heaven. I'm like, just put this back on the grill. And I sent, I sent some back with the waiter because I couldn't eat it. So says the Gemara, the fruits are the same way. Some people eat them and some people don't. Now that's different. That's not saying we're unsure objectively if this is edible. It's totally subjective. So what do we do in that case? So says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom. Osman, when a person says I'm setting this aside before Shabbos, then Golidaite, he's saying, I eat this food. That's what he's saying. Don't look at me on Shabbos when I'm eating this food. I'm telling you that I eat this food. I eat this partially raw food. Low Osman. But if a person was not Mazman this food before Shabbos, then low Golidaite, then he has not revealed his opinion. We're going to stop right here at Amar Abzeira. We'll pick up tomorrow after the 610 Shacharis. Uh, how long? Two hours, you think? Yeah. Plus, let's assume somewhere around 8, 8, 10 approximately. Uh, maybe 820. We'll see. Whenever Shachar sends us, when we'll start this year. Wishing you all a beautiful night.